playing the ukulele badly because this podcast is self-produced weird stuff has happened in the past and here i am to tell you about it i guess yeah i will yeah absurd real history hello and welcome to absurd real history the podcast where i find weird stories from the past and find interesting people to tell them to my name is Saoirse Shanae, and this week I'm really excited to be joined by actor-writer Derek Miller. Hello, Derek. Hello, thank you for having me. Delighted to have you on. So this is kind of more a, a general condensed history okay. of, a, of a certain thing. You're we distilling a swath to... <laughs> or swath. How do you, do you guys say swath or swath? I would say swath. You do say, okay. Yeah. But but I'm not good at speaking, and I also have an American <laughs> mother, so I may not be the best authority for the, the correct things. Up until I was, I think, 15, I would say breakfast. Oh, <laughs> for nice. For breakfast. Yeah. Um, so yes, uh, swath is what I would say, but again, not a good authority. Yeah. That was one of the, you know, living in the UK now, it's, it's one of the ones that I got caught, caught out on. I'm like, swath? I've never heard that one, so now I know. There you go. Uh, we, we are going to be talking about pineapples. Do What's your opinion of pineapples? Are you pro-pineapple? Anti-pineapple? I'm very pro-pineapple. I love pineapples. I've been to the uh, the Dole uh, fields where they grow them in Hawaii, the pineapple fields for Amazing. the Dole Amazing. Yeah, company. we're going to be talking for them a bit. Oh, good. What do you know about pineapples then? Like, what do you think of when you, when you think of the pineapple, the king of fruits, as it became Ooh, known? Oh, I like the king of fruits. It's, it's a very niche, like, special event type fruit because i mean that's something you're not going to cut up every day uh we do it every year on christmas morning where we have sliced pineapple it's just my mom i don't know why when she started it and you have to cut it a very specific way where the head of it's in the middle of the dish and it kind of fans out around it but yeah no i love it and i love i mean it's insanely like syrupy and sweet but a glass of pineapple juice you just can't be beat you know Mm. It's very good in cocktails as well. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love adding a bit of pineapple juice just to like spruce up. Well, the Mai Tai, I think, they, I just saw a thing was like the map of the United States and it's every drink by state because it's the most Googled drink everywhere. <laughs> and of course, in Hawaii, it was a Mai Tai. Which they, so there you go. I read a 300 page book on the history of the pineapple. And my brain is kind of fried. <laughs> Um, it's actually incredible. It's by, it's called The Pineapple King of Fruits by Fran Bowman. And I read the the start of it just about her and she just did a Wait, wait, a history. why did you read this book? Because you love pineapples or just... To do an episode about pineapples because You I... read the whole book just to do the episode. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it just happens. Um, I did it in two days. I would not recommend it. I was having <laughs> dreams about pineapples. That's how um, they get you. <laughs> it's how they got you. It's the most incredible book, though, because it's so researched, but it's all just about the pineapple. And I personally found it really good because my my knowledge of history is kind of a bit fractured. I'm really bad at like organizing dates. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have certain things and situations, but I do, in my head I find it hard to acknowledge. Okay, what was happening at the same time? You know, what came? What historical event became before which? And this was kind of just a really nice way to just guide me through history from the perspective of the pineapple. Of the pineapple. Do you have, this is interesting, just because talking about talking about the swath or swath of history, do you have a timeline in your head that you can actually see, like visualize? 
Are you one of those people? What, in in what regards? Can you visually see time in your head? <laughs> Can I? Is there a visual representation of time in your head, like a timeline or a color coded, like, you know, either a, you know, a string or, a, you know, not really. Like when I think about it, I think about a really boring graph with like red lines or dots well, there and, you go. and pictures of pineapple. So yours is like if you're tracking a serial killer, yours is like the. <laughs> well, I have a very a visual. Of- yeah, I have a very chaotic brain, I think is a good way to put it. So I'm I think in like pictures and not so much like neat graphs. Yeah, excellent. My friend, my, my housemate, uh, I found out that he has aphantasia, so he can't picture things in his brain. Oh, right, right. And yeah. I think that sounds so peaceful. Because <laughs> the amount of times I am... Um, thinking of horrific events in in my head or I'm thinking of people that I don't want to be thinking about and I just imagine this remember the the event so clearly in my head I just imagine them so clearly or I imagine the events so clearly and I he doesn't have live. that he doesn't have that it's uh, amazing I wonder what his dreams are like though that's a you know but are, are there people that can see time anyway my timeline is all about pineapples now that is my basis for how I understand <laughs> things one thing I really like about pineapple is that it's the only known source for bromelain. Oh. Do you know what that is? No. It's an enzyme that digests protein, which literally means it eats flesh. Oh, so it's wow. when you're eating it, it eats it's you eating back. You. And I respect that. Yeah. yeah. And it's the yeah. only food that does that, you know? Wow. It's literally eating your skin cells as you are chewing that tasty piece of pineapple. So is that beneficial? Is that like, you know, good bacteria in your body? It's good for weight loss, and it's why pineapple is often used as in like weight oh, loss things. Oh, right. There is all those pineapple diets, aren't there? That's yep. insane. But I mean, also eating too much of it's like, yeah, you've gone through your stomach walls or something. Yeah, if you eat a lot. Can it get that bad? Is there like a, a warning? Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of mystery around the pineapple, which we'll, which I'll we'll get to. I remember thinking that if you ate the middle, you're- 300 pages 300 worth. 300 pages worth, and various <laughs> articles. <laughs> <laughs> I've never read a book so much on just one niche subject. It was amazing. It was amazing. Um, so when I'm talking about the pineapple, I'm not going to really be talking about like the science of how it grows or like the botany of it because I, as I said, a lot of work where I'm just giving my my lowdown, my Saoirse quick pineapple history from start to finish. Of the humble pineapple. Your hot takes. My hot takes. Yeah. Which, by the way, is not a single fruit, a pineapple. I'm I'm holding. Oh. You, other people, um, you guys at home can't see this. She is but gesturing as if she's holding. <laughs> Good object work. Thank I'm, you. You're, you're I, showing me the weight, the size. And also you're being docile because you know that it's prickly. Yeah. I'm, she's given the whole thing. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I have done object work in improv classes. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> It is not one fruit, but many fruit. A pineapple is multiple berries fused together. Isn't that cool? Wow. Anyway, that's- Yeah, absolutely. End of it. So where does the pineapple come from? Where is it native from? Well, I'm going to say South Pacific, like, because, you know, I know it from Hawaii. So I'm guessing that it was probably somewhere in the South Pacific, but you're shaking nope, your head. Nope. A mis- misconception. Yeah. It would take a long time before it was introduced to, to Hawaii. Hmm. 
pineapple is only native to South America, Brazil, Paraguay. Oh, okay. Region. It was first encountered by the Tupi Guerreri, South American Indian tribe. Okay. In that area, you also had the, the gay, the Caribs, and the Arawaks, but the Tupi, Tupai Garaway, I did look up pronunciation, but that's still probably wrong. Well done. Uh, they represented the, the largest uh, in that area, and there was various sub-tribes there. It's also, to this day, the only area where you can still find the wild pineapple, which is the, the god pineapple that all other pineapples come from. Wow. What do they say about the taste of that one? They say it's awful. <laughs> they say it's extremely sour. Yeah. It's filled with seeds. It's really small. But it's the god pineapple. It's it's where they all came from. We don't know when that pineapple turned into the pineapple we know today, but there's evidence that it's at least 2000 BC. So these wow. tribes... Yeah. So the tribes people in um, South America, the natives... Loved they pineapple. cultivated the heck out of it. They cultivated it perfectly. And they used it for everything. They ate it. They dried it for like dried pineapple. They used it as medicine. They also found a way to use it as poison for the for the tips of their spears and arrowheads. Wow. Because it could eat flesh. <laughs> yeah. And also, um, they would eat it with the prisoners of war that they also ate because they were also cannibals. Oh, yeah. What would they call it? The uh, El Pastor. You know, that's the meat with the pineapple in it on the spit. Have you had El Pastor? Highly recommend it. Uh, I think my sister's wedding had pig on the spit, and I think there's a, a pineapple in there. Kind of like that. Yeah, it's more like a, like a kebab uh, meat, but there's pineapple in it. That's El Pastor. So I bet it's, I bet you there's some, it goes, it's linked. Yeah. That's my, that's my hunch. <laughs> it all goes back to food for me, always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do think that's interesting. They're eating flesh while eating a, a, a food that eats flesh. You're doing half, it's doing half the work for you. So as they're pineapple harvesting and growing, upscaled, obviously it spread to the other tribes. What I find beautiful about the pineapple is that it remains this secret from the rest of the world in just this area of South America. Kind of it's spread out to Cuba, maybe a little bit of the South of Central America and the West Indies. But in general, it never really left that area or was even heard of by Europeans or uh, uh, people in Asia for a very long time. It was also the only kind of well-known fruit in the area that grows all year round. Ah. So it was frequently used to make wine, and it's basically the sole reason indigenous people in the area were drunk all year round because they were just constantly drinking pineapple wine. Pineapple they love pineapple. Wine. They cover the can you still pineapple get, wine? Can you still get pineapple wine today? I've never seen it or heard of it, wow. but I really want to. It I want to try it. I, I wonder if it's. I wonder if it's like tequila or something. You would think cause it's like agave is a ground fruit. It, agave looks not dissimilar to a pineapple, you know, the the, the plumage on it. So I wonder. Yeah, I feel like it would be more similar to a cider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a bit more tangy. But, you know, it's got so much so sugar in it, too. You you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I'm thinking of orange. Have you ever had any, like, orange cider, orange wine? Never had, or, no. I've had blackberry wine, and I've had some, like, more fruity wines. So I've had strawberry wine. A Kriak is a really nice cherry beer that I quite enjoyed. Maybe it's on uh, that tip. But I want some now. I want to get my hands on it. 
Yeah, I don't see it being like a spirit. I see it being more like a like a hard like eighteen percent kind of wine. You know, like right, right, high up there. It wasn't until Christopher Columbus's second voyage in fourteen ninety three that the pineapple was first introduced to Europeans. Oh, he brought it back. He brought it back. Christopher Columbus brought back pineapple on his second voyage. They missed it the first time around. Yeah, yeah. He was too busy mislabeling uh, countries. <laughs> he should be more known for bringing the pineapple to Europe than discovering America, quote unquote. Yeah, when reading when reading this, I don't know why it's so foolish, but in my head, I always assume Christopher Columbus is English and, you know, America, because you think of the pilgrims going to America. But it's like, no, he was Italian and he was doing it for Spain, which yeah, is, yeah. I don't know, it's probably more... Uh, obvious to to you having grown up in America and studying and having American a history. Columbus Day off school and yeah Columbus Day, but I just I just forget that a lot that he wasn't English that he was doing all this for for Spain I do forget that you know you think our country would be a lot more tolerant of stuff knowing that an Italian working for Spain <laughs> discovered our nation and we're getting off school for him but no we'll no. be just as racist yeah we all know enough about how. Uh, Christopher Columbus was pretty, pretty terrible. But they were on the ship for months and to not only finally reach land when you're running low on, but to reach the Caribbean (laughs) where you're seeing these like coconuts and amazing weather and a beach and everything. So they arrive on the uh, Santa Maria de Guadalupe in the Caribbean. When they arrived, the pineapple was fully cultivated, more or less similar to the pineapple we have today, spread all over Brazil, Colombia, parts of Central America, West Indies, maybe even further. So it's been very well cultivated. They still had the wild pineapples growing, but they had their own kind of pineapple, pineapple. Yeah, that must have blown their minds. Yeah. To see it. You know, there's a thing they said when when Columbus showed, well, when the later on, when they started showing up in America, the indigenous people couldn't in their minds, make out that a ship was coming up because they had never seen it before. I mean, you think how we're inundated with so many images where we can frame things in our mind and we know exactly what they are because we've seen a bajillion things by the time we're even two years old. But to go your entire life without seeing a shape or anything that moved like a ship, Hmm. like their brains couldn't even figure out what it was until it hit the sand and they were able to kind of like take it in. So you got to think how fresh and exciting all that stuff was back in the day. That's kind of what happened with the pineapple. It's such a bizarre fruit. <laughs> no, but it is. Yeah. It's such a bizarre fruit. It is. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. It has a crown. It has a literal crown <laughs> part of it. So on this island, they found an abandoned village on the beach that was by the Carib tribe. The Caribs were famous for eating crab and also humans. It's actually where we get the word cannibal from. Not that all oh. South American Indian tribes were cannibals it's I just thought you were gonna say tribe. the fake chocolate carob <laughs> i wonder if did that come from them it is also interesting that in this same area you have you know coca from like cocaine chocolate and sugar and all this kind of stuff and then pineapple is lumped in with those kind of things with all these like stimulants and it's like so why the pineapple <laughs> <laughs> so they found the empty village and they found pineapples and loads of parrots for some reason. They loved keeping pet parrots in these. 
South American tribes. Why would you not? Which is also very exotic, very exotic to them. You know, these crazy, bright birds. Here's one thing that I think is really interesting and also very indicative of colonial culture is the word pineapple in itself and how we got that word. The Native Americans in the region, they had a word for it, ananas. Mm. And that's the word that almost every single language calls pineapples except for spanish and english the spanish were like no no it looks like a pine cone and they started calling it pina and even though that already has a a word right pine cones and and even and then england did the same we were like we don't want to take the name we're just going to call it pineapple even though they called pineapple pine nuts so they just didn't just take the word for it that was already there. They were like, no. So the original <laughs> word was, word. What was it? What was it? Anana? What was it? Ananas. 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 Okay. Which is still the word for it with slight different pronunciation differences in almost every other European language, except for Spanish and English, oh. where it's pineapple. Why? Or, well, with Spanish, yeah. you would think too that it would be. Well, it, what do they call it in Mexico? Do they call it pineapple still? I'm trying to think what I've seen it as in Mexico. Maybe it's pine, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, pine. I think because that would have been the Spanish. Yeah, when I'm having it with my El Pastor. Okay. So Yeah, it's, it's interesting as well because loads of artists would show this moment of Christopher Columbus discovery in the pineapple with like native tribe chief gifting it to him as well as with other fruits and other... Uh, novelties when in reality they just stumbled upon it in a completely empty town because they were off doing a raid they were off doing a raid and they're like yeah, where did this great booze come from they're like, oh, this thing <laughs> over here yeah when the native americans took food and fresh water out to trade with the european provision ships the europeans were scared to eat any of their food except for the pineapple and they soon discovered after that first visit that pineapples were bigger and tastier than the ones they had found in the first village that the pineapple was greatly cultivated um and all over and as great as pineapple was the europeans were still kind of disappointed because this is the time where they were out looking for for gold the first christopher columbus trip was more about discovery and i think the second one was like no let's get gold let's find el dorado right nothing's changed see i'm getting we're getting a great like thread of time just through the pineapples adventure absolutely it's the it's the tertiary story of capitalism yeah naturally they brought pineapples back for the the king and queen of spain all of them rotted on the ships because it's a long voyage and it's a fruit and when they finally arrived back in spain only one pineapple remained that wasn't completely rotten but you can't imagine it was in that good shape if every other pineapple was completely rotten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Columbus immediately went to the Spanish court and presented the single pineapple to the king and queen, Ferdinand and Isabella. And they loved it. Mm. They loved the pineapple. And the rest is history. Uh, can can you grow them in anywhere else? Can they can they be grown in Spain or we're we're gonna we're gonna get into it, but England loved <laughs> there is about a two hundred year period in history where England loved growing pineapples. <laughs> really? <Wow>. Yes. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's always like I mean, because you don't see it anywhere else in the states except for Hawaii. So I always think that's like it's a tropical. Like even in California, we had to they were all imported from Hawaii. So yeah. all right, okay, okay. We'll get there. Got lots we're, to we're, learn here. I got so much to learn. We're only in like the you know 1500s 
gotta I gotta I take you gotta take you there so when when Christopher Columbus came back from his second voyage it was kind of at the same time of the explosion of printed books so the adventure and discovery of the new land of discovery in you know North and South America coincided with novels kind of becoming a thing for the first time and the adventure genre replaced fantasy so the armadillos replaced dragons and the pineapple became this symbol for all things beautiful and exotic of the new world wow and by the 1550s people were completely obsessed with this new world and because other fruits have religious connotations from either various religions throughout Europe or Scandinavia or even in Asia. But the pineapple was completely free for all of this. A lot of people wrote about the pineapple as if it was the antidote to the apple of Eve and that South America was the Garden of Eden. And then there was other people that thought the pineapple was the apple that fell man of course every was, religion wanted <laughs> to sink their teeth into that that mythology it was completely it's completely free everyone became fascinated with the pineapple it represented the exotic by the 16th century it was all over the globe because mainly to do to explorers particularly the portuguese the portuguese were great for sailing around and getting stuff everywhere A century after it was discovered, it was being grown and eaten in other tropical climates by Europeans, so much so that people think it's native in these areas. So you thought the pineapple was native uh, when we first started this episode in kind of South Pacific. Yes. But that's because the Europeans bringing it there. They brought it to China, Africa, anywhere they could grow it. They're like, we need these pineapples. Wow. Still far away from Europe, though, because Europe's not a good place to grow pineapples. It's just not. There we go. Yeah. It's just not. And it's just not a good, not a good place. So England in particular has a very funny um, history with the pineapple. Well, so does all of Europe, really. Uh, They really just became obsessed with it. No one knows how the first pineapple came to England, but it very quickly became associated with royalty, like everywhere else in Europe. When was this? Like in the 1500s again? Like around then? Yeah, yeah. So kind of yeah. a, a little bit after that, but around around that same time, we're kind of in the 16th century. So like the 1500s, late 1500s. Yeah. Does Shakespeare reference pineapples at all? That's a good one to look for. Maybe I didn't. I didn't look. Oh. Didn't look into it. Well, I feel like Shakespeare would have been just before the pineapple craze. I think it was often called the King of Fruits or the Pine King. And it's weird because a lot of the descriptions of the pineapple are oddly erotic in comparing it to the female form, which is weird Mm. when it's like the king of fruits, but then they often describe it as female. Yeah. I think because pineapple was linked to like temptation and pleasure, which, you know, they also linked to women. It's also interesting that almost everyone that was describing the fruit and what it looks like and what it tastes like have never even tasted it. They were just imagining no one was eating pineapple. It was too sacred to to eat. Well, I mean, that's the time when, you know, was, you were lucky to get an orange in your Christmas stocking. You know, it was like your once once yearly taste of orange. Exactly. A pineapple <laughs> was like next, next level. Not everyone was a fan of the pineapple, though. Cromwell. Cromwell didn't like the pineapple. He was threatened by it. 
<laughs> I yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, as as an Irish person, I'm just like Cromwell didn't like pineapples, therefore for you gotta like pineapples. <laughs> well, what it was, it was kind of in this weird time in English history where you had those staunch Protestants where. You know, pleasure is bad. Everything has to be boring. We don't dance in the town of Footloose. Right, exactly. Yeah, That kind of energy. And also it had a lot of Catholic undertones originally being discovered through Spain. Right. Barbados pineapples were given as a gift to Charles II and he loved them. He just loved them so much. It became a gloat to other monarch monarchs. So kings and queens would kind of carry around pineapples. The, They'd they like to show up eating a rind. Not, not even, no, not eating it. We're not eating pineapple. Oh, yet. just, just holding it. Just holding it, carrying it around, just having it on display as like a gloat. Wow. Just like, look, <laughs> I have access to such exotic fruits. I can go to these places. Eating it was a waste. But like, why would you eat it? Then, you know, the whole point is, is holding it and carrying it around. Wow. You think there'd be a huge market for fake pineapples then? Like, I have constructed. The pineapple, you know what I mean? Like a paper mache pineapple, just, you know, have around, give you some esteem. So, you know, that did become a thing as well. Um, I'm going to say it to you now because she points it out in this book that once you start looking for it, you start seeing pineapples everywhere. It is a staple of Georgian decoration. Yeah, it's in all their cornices and stuff for their uh, keystones right above doors. And you yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, there you go. See, it was, it's been embedded in my brain. The Dutch, meanwhile, were planting them all over Africa and the pineapple continued to have loads of weird rumors and stories pop up about it. There's a lot of stuff about the pineapple. As said, this is my, my condensed version of history. Um, eventually, 200 years after they originally found it, they started figuring out how to grow them properly. Um, and by the mid-1720s, particularly in England, England, because... Gardening was such a, an aristocratic English thing of like having your fancy gardens. Yeah, your walled garden, whole thing, yeah. Uh, so by the 1720s, every self-respecting aristocratic, aristocrat, aristocrat, I can't speak, every, aristocrat, I keep saying aristocrat, I'm like, no, that's a Disney movie with adorable yeah, Everybody cats. wants to be a cat. Everybody wants to be a cat. Everyone wants their piner, pinery. Yeah. It was the ult ultimate status of wealth if you had a... A pinery because that's like step up, not not a, a pinery. Is a pinery. That's what they were called. Pinery. Wow. Pinery. Next to the priory, we have the pinery. Well, these were insanely expensive because you had to building the hot house, which is a relatively new sure. invention in itself. Yeah, that would cost you a couple of grand, right? And then you have to buy the the pineapple stocks in themselves. That's another couple of grand, and then you have to hire a gardener who knows what they're doing. You have to hire night guards as well because it became a really... Pineapples were so sought upon. People had to hire night guards to watch the pineapples to stop thieves robbing them and selling them on, like, wow. like selling them on. On Thieve Bay. Yeah. So we're in the 1720s now. We're kind of moved away from, you know, staunch Protestantism. England was on the brink of the modern age. So the pursuit of pleasure was finally accepted as a good thing you know oh the awakening the awakening yes. which was fantastic news for the pineapple because the pineapple was always linked to pleasure and temptation it, you know this was a time of fancy balls and fancy dinners to impress and entertain guests so owning a pinery as we move forward became essential you couldn't 
be a fancy English rich person unless you had your fancy English country house with a bunch of pineapples. Just who even were you if you didn't have pineapples or your own pinery? I love that I know pinery is a word now. That's (laughs) phenomenal. It still wasn't really eaten. It was was just like, look, we have all these pineapples. That's what I say. Like, why didn't somebody just really figure out how to fabricate one? Make a, make a, you know, clockwork. 3D printer. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, you just sew one. Man, if we go back in time, start a silk pineapple business. I was thinking this. I, you know, how much is a pineapple? Like a quid in Tesco? Yeah. You know, in season. In season, yeah. (laughs) You see all these time travel movies and they have cash from different periods of the time you can't you can't you can't exchange the cash you can't exchange cash. pineapple well, i just know back to the future and back to the future too when doc comes back he has a briefcase with you know different time periods of money how did he get that together i always wonder that i was like how did he get that together that ruins the whole movie for you it ruins the whole movie for you i mean there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of things in turn you just gotta enjoy where else it. did he go just to get <laughs> what cash? did he do i think if i were to travel back in time just bring a load of pineapples you'd be mint it absolutely get a pineapple sell it for the equivalent of like 10 grand you'd be a badass as well you know you, they just see me walking around yeah you could buy your own pinery mm-hmm. some of the the not quite royalty the kind of but still quite rich the upper middle class that hadn't quite gotten around to their pineries yet uh they would rent pineapples for parties like a handbag that you can kind of carry around and the same pineapple oh. could be passed from person to person. So that's why they didn't eat it. It wasn't because they didn't like the taste or they were scared of it. It was more, it was seen as a, a waste. So they wanted to keep it around until it rotted. And then it's rotted. So you don't want to eat a rotten fruit. No. And this is England as well. They don't, they're quite smelly. So it would have to get quite smelly to. I'm having a deja vu now about this, about rented fruit. This is crazy. Yeah. Did I mean, I, is it possible I've heard this somewhere else before? I don't know. That is kind of I, one I of the, the main facts. Now, I don't think it happened that often. It's kind of one of those things. It's actually what I first heard that initially got me researching this episode. But that massive book that I read didn't really dig into it that much or talk about it that much, which means leads me to believe it's kind of one of those pop facts that maybe happened once or twice that kind of just gets right, spread right. on all of these you know, these fact websites or all these YouTube videos, but like, did you know that people would spend 10 grand to rent a pineapple? I am a sucker for a good BuzzFeed video, so. You won't believe which of these fruits was rented out. Stay tuned after these five ads. So here's the thing with England with the pineapple. It wasn't just about having a pineapple now because of the these grow houses. It was about having an English-grown pineapple. Wow. You didn't want an imported one. It was about having an English-grown one. Because the other ones were far too tasty. (laughs) The English pineapple was the superior pineapple. They had spent ages studying it and getting it right. Now, here's the thing. The English pineapple was prettier, but in reality, they were quite bland in taste. That's exactly what I was thinking. That's what they do here. So they put salt on everything. They just boil it all. It's all boiled and bland. <laughs> uh, the, the cuisine here has gotten so much better in the last 10 years since I've been visiting. But still. Yeah. And it's also just the climate. You know, you're just going to get tastier pineapples when they're grown in the tropics than you are in a glass yeah. house. It's just, it's just fact. Yeah. There's not enough sun going through those pineries. 
Yeah. But all the places where you could grow them were still very far away and they just couldn't transport properly. No. That's why they were superior. They didn't come to your door rotted. Exactly. By the 1770s, a pineapple of the finest flavor was a common phrase that everyone said. It just meant the something is the best that it can be, the best of the best. And it was a common phrase. Oh, so you would call someone a pineapple? Or you would say pineapple of the finest flavor? Yeah, or you could call someone a pineapple. It kind of became like a, a term of endearment. Again, oh, Tom. he's a pineapple. I think it was more yeah. women. What a pineapple. What a, or more women. Yeah, yeah. just like, oh, my, yeah. my petite pineapple. I don't know. <laughs> oh, the French too. Everyone, you're like, I mean, the English were the ones that really went pineapple mad, but it was all over Europe, really. Catherine the Great of Russia was said to eat pineapples up until her deathbed. King wow. of France loved pineapples. I can only imagine as well the scullery maids transporting these pineapples across the streets. Like how terrified you must have been. You know, you're just a scullery yeah. maid and you're holding these objects that are like worth like a couple of grand each. Yeah, that would be well concealed, I imagine. Those were not on show. We want to hide them. As the 18th century developed, hothouses began appearing all over Europe. It became more acceptable to eat the pineapple now as they became more popular. It was apparently in 1733 when King Louis the 15th in France ate a pineapple. He loved it so much. He gave a piece to all the noblemen in the land. And by 1738... He had a dedicated King's hothouse that soon hosted over 800 pineapples. Some noblemen in France had thousands of pineapples. It's this kind of behavior that would spark the revolution, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, of- yeah. It should have been let them eat pineapples. Exactly. Let them eat their pineapple upside down cake. Oh, you brought it all home. Yeah. We kind of talked about this before, but yeah, just pineapple everything no fruit has done more for the development of science and horticulture than the pineapple english people were so hell-bent on learning how to grow this in england (laughs) follow the money always follow the money yeah william and mary had pineapples at the base of their silver pier table in 1698 which is still in the queen's ballroom in windsor castle you're in england now as you're walking around just you'll start seeing pineapples everywhere tops of gates to show up how wealthy people were, silverware, crockery, just everyone loved pineapples. It is a good looking fruit. I mean, if you're going to put something on some crockery. Follows the Fibonacci symbol as well. Oh, the Fibonacci sequence? Yeah. Yeah, the the divine ratio. That makes sense. Oh, I just remembered a really bad pickup line. (laughs) It was like, if you were a fruit, you'd be a fine apple. Oh, I love it. Oh, man. I don't even know if you need to add the fine to it, just like you'd be a pineapple, just because there's already yeah. this. I mean, if if you're if you read a three hundred book page book on it, you'd be well. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be well chuffed yeah. to someone to call me a pineapple. Rose Almer is a woman who apparently died by eating too much. That's pineapple what I was asking. And her gr- it ate her. But I'm pretty sure that's a rumor. It's possibly a rumor. She did love pineapple. Her grave in Calcutta is shaped like a giant pineapple. And Walter Savage Landor wrote a poem about her because he loved her and then she died when she was in Calcutta. And I wonder, is this the only poem about a woman who died from eating pineapple? It's it's such a niche market for those kind it's of poetry. such a niche. Wow. I was wondering about that because they're like, you know, if it does eat you back, 
But as you say, it might be mm. a rumor. I want to believe <laughs> it. I want to believe the pineapple later. That's definitely killed a few people. You got those blood pineapples too, I'm sure, from being grown in the in Barbados and all this. You know, this this is the English Empire. Mm-hmm. Don't think they were happy hands getting those, no way. those pineapples. No way. It was all about growing pineapples in, in Europe. The pineapple became a symbol for all things English. It was a symbol of the British Empire because it was taking something from another country and making it better from their eyes. Yeah, sure. Throughout Europe. You had English pineapples. It's an insane country that way because all there's the, <laughs> the things they're most proud of is their appropriation instead of like all the awesome stuff that's already here. Because they, they had to like, you know, they had to wipe out the pagans and everything else that's already like germane to the land here. Forget that. We're starting over. So let's let's put all of our boasts and things that we've imported from other places. Things we've, uh, <laughs> again, appropriated. Appropriated, yeah. So what do you think was going on with America and the pineapple? Well, my guess is that it was probably in some of the richer houses in the 1700s. Probably they served it at Monticello. Like it was it was around. But I probably wasn't big in America until like canning happened in the 1800s. That's my guess. When they were able to can it and ship it around. That's my guess. You're pretty spot on. It didn't really yes. catch on in America. They had preserved pineapple at the time. Um, and also, it, it was a thing where, at the time in America, the colonies kind of wanted to emulate England, which I thought was really interesting, because you still have that now. You have a lot of Americans that view England as like the land of the land of Harry Potter, and, you know, the Downton King Abbey. Queen, Downton Abbey, yeah, and this, yeah. this weird kind of fascination with it. And it's interesting to me that that existed from the start of America. As, as the country that well, is I think also today. too a lot of like colonial Americans like they were still trying to like keep in good favor because I mean like they didn't know if the, if it was gonna go you know tits up in America and like that was gonna be the end of it you know mm. like so they had to like you know a lot of people didn't want the revolution to happen because they just didn't want to tether you know lose the ties so yeah yeah the pineapple came a good way to kind of try and emulate aspects of that interestingly enough it was the the pineapple furniture that started the frenzy more so than the actual fruit. Yeah. So the pineapple on top of gates, the pineapple on cutlery, the pineapple on chair plates, legs, chair legs, table legs. I'm telling you, have a look at pineapple for pineapples. You'll start seeing them. Oh yeah. Everywhere. You know they call it they call it British colonial. I think that does that style of furniture. So there you go. So this was around the mid 18th century, love and pineapples. Jefferson and Washington would display pineapples at their table. That's what I said. What Jefferson, mm-hmm. Monticello. There you we were go. Dead right. Again, it was a power play, basically showing, look at these close contacts that we have in the West Indies. These would have been imported pineapples. They didn't have pineries in America. There were a few, but they mostly failed. We were too busy stealing land from the indigenous people. We had other stuff going on. It's not just that. It was more in New, New England. They were trying to emulate these fancy gardens that they had in England. but And they even had ads out. in Like rich Americans would put ads out in the English papers trying to hire a gardener to come over ah, and grow right. pineapples for them. But they usually went home frustrated. America didn't have any of the proper gardening tools, tools to grow pineapple. So if you, as a, a British gardener, going to America to grow pineapples, you would arrive there you would realize, oh, I need this shovel. You'd have to get that shipped all the way from England. That's crazy. Because like you think more of an annoyance in the 18th century than yeah, go to Central America. Now. 
Also, I want to know what these fancy tools are. I imagine there's like some weird like scythe type thing that digs them out of the ground or something. Who knows? The hothouses in general were quite complicated because they had like steam to like pump through right, them as right. well. And I didn't really look into it. I kind of saw it ta- like all this stuff about how the hothouses worked. I'm like, you know what? Not going to look into it. Not big on the whole physics thing. Well, then I'm done because that's all I care science. about during this podcast. <laughs> the physics of hothouses. Figure out how those. Yes. This is a history podcast. I'm sure there are fascinating gardening episodes that you can you can find. Yes, yeah, so that was a big problem. All the tools couldn't get shipped. Another problem was a lot of the land that they were saying go work with. It was land that had never really been used before. It wasn't fertilized property. It was alien land. And the climate, people didn't understand the climate in America yet. I think there was, there was an association that... Virginia would be the same as Spain because they're on the same line. But in reality, vastly different climates. Yeah. So it just didn't work. Uh, but there was a brief 15-year period between 1760 and 1775. But then the War of Independence just completely squelched any pineapple success. Yeah, they were too busy building a nation. Well, it's all—it's more the pineapple, as I said before, at this stage was very English. Right, right. Like when people associated the pineapple with England, they didn't, which is weird. <laughs> it's super weird, but makes, you know, it's very English. It's on brand. Yeah, it's on brand. It's on brand. Pineapple wears English. So that's it. Meanwhile, we're in Victorian England now and... Victorian era pineries are just getting more and more massive, more and more elaborate. The glass tax was abolished in 1845, which meant even more bigger, larger, more ridiculous. Yeah, you have some crazy fancy pineries. If you were rich, you had to have at least one pinery to show and to show off your wealth. The Earl of Derby had 2000 pineapples at some point, just there, just to have. Wow. And they weren't weren't really eating them, though. They were just on show. They were eating them more now. Okay. The rise of technology became a thing and the shared knowledge of pineapple botany. Suddenly the knowledge of how to grow pineapples in England became known to the, the upper middle class as opposed to just the upper class. So we're, we're, pineapples are becoming more middle class. Shocking horror. Wow. How dare they? How dare they? There was a big scandal as well when somewhere in France produced apparently a better pineapple than an English pineapple. <gasps> Shock horror. Because how can anything be better than an, an English pineapple? <laughs> and as we said before, although they looked nice, they were not as flavorsome as the, the tropical ones. And as technology advanced, so did you know steamships that have refrigerators in them. Ah, so right. now you had pineapples being on sale. And they showed up and they're like, oh, this is how they were supposed to taste. We've been yeah, doing this so to- wrong. I have 2,000 of these <laughs> turds. <laughs> they're often, yes, yeah, so they're often sold under the misconception of being homegrown pineapples, like straight ones when they were actually imported. Oh, right. Um, Saltwater touched was the term. You didn't want a saltwater touch pineapple. You wanted an English homegrown pineapple. Even though they tasted worse. Even though they tasted worse. Uh, there was a pretty uh, funny but pretty awful article in the Times in 1873. Basically, some guy giving out how awful it was that there were some English people that were taking 
salt water touched pineapples, but getting the English crown, like so that the Ooh, yeah. And kind of counterfeiting wow. pineapples. I like that was a good object work of you screwing the crown <laughs> of a pineapple. You guys are missing this uh, at home. If you were to imagine what a counterfeiting a pineapple looked like, it was just uh, perfectly emulated in front of me. I talk a lot with my hands. I think it helps add energy to my voice. <laughs> feel it. You feel it in the podcast. Yeah, you, you, you feel it. So pineapples were losing their fanciness because now middle class people were getting pineapples. Oh, right, right. In America, enough time had passed since the war that it was finally time for pineapples to make a catch on. Now, here's what I thought was interesting. The main guy who started pineapples in America was an Irish fella. Ah, Bernard Matten. He was an Irish gardener who came to America to make a name for himself. He was a trained gardener, so he had all the experience and all the knowledge of how to grow pineapples in England. And then he came to America and published the first guide for growing pineapples in America for American wow. weather. Okay. And in the 1880s, we started getting Florida pineapples being grown. Yeah, I was going to say, probably. Yeah. All right. Yeah. By 1893, the state produced more pineapples per acre than anywhere else in the world. I'm not surprised. As you called it bang on, it would be the canned pineapple that would shape America's pineapple. Oh, I knew it. With Baltimore being the first major canned pineapple factory. Wow. It's a huge success. But that's what's weird. Like, I, I would never eat canned pineapple. Well, I mean... I think their first foray as a kid, that was the first way you had it because it was so easy just to open a tin and you could get the rings or the crushed. By the way, my mom still every Christmas for me on top of the, on Thanksgiving too, on top of the Christmas day, you know, pineapple. I think just because it was a symbol of like affluence or something. My mom's slightly English as well too. My grandmother is from England, but um, she makes this like ambrosia salad. Do you know what this is? Like pistachio pudding and pineapple in it and like walnuts and like i mean it sounds disgusting i love it i don't know i think that i think that sounds but it's nice. served I with like, a like savory meal that's what's weird about it my wife's like that is no place on your plate it's like you would think it's your pudding you know for your dessert but it was served with dinner this uh mm. pistachio salad i'm the only one who ate it in our family too but my mom still makes it every holiday like is this like very special thing because because of the pineapple in it, i think probably but also, you know, like in America, like lobster was served to like inmates and stuff. It was seen as like this insect of the sea. And it and um, it was one of the things that was canned. And then it started being one of the things on train travel. So they were able to take tinned stuff on. So they started serving tinned lobster on like first class cars. So then the upper class started eating lobster and it became a very fancy thing because they found out it was like the sweet, delicious, awesome seafood. So it's kind of a, like a reverse lobster uh, pineapple in a way because it started off being served to like, like I said, inmates and then kind of flipped around once canning came around. Well, it's all about social social class, like what's wh what is said is a fancy dish and what is not. It's, it's bizarre how it just kind of comes about. So yeah, you kind of saying this before, but you were dead right. Hawaii was the ideal climate for pineapples. And with the gold rush, came loads of people in California wanting pineapples from Hawaii. I think the gold rush in general just boosted industries anywhere remotely close to California. Oh, okay. That makes sense. 
John Kidwell, an English eccentric, went to Hawaii because he saw this opportunity. And in 1892, established the first pineapple cannery there. And in 1898, he gave it up and moved to the sugar industry, which was a, a big mistake on his part. Because that very same year, shortly after he moved to sugar, Hawaii became a US territory, which lifted the crippling tariffs that had kind of made the first cannery hard. And it opened up a US market. And it would be good old young, I think he was only like 20, 24 or 23, good old young, rich, privileged, fresh out of Harvard, James Drummond Dole. Wow. Yeah. There it is. In 1902, established the Hawaiian Pineapple Company, which has since been renamed the Dole Corporation to honor him, which, as you know, huge, huge success. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much synonymous in America anyway, like Dole Pineapple. It just, I don't, I can't think of any other brand. By 1940, Hawaii was the world's largest supplier of canned pineapple with 70% of the world market. Holy cow. There were pineapple towns for pineapple workers, which is not as cute as it sounds. No, I mean, mean, I've been to them. They're awful. It's like, uh, same thing as like plantations in the South, really. When, when did you go? I've been to, I've been to Hawaii like five times. I love it. I've been to Maui, Kauai. I've been, I haven't been to the big island, but I've been to Oahu a couple of times and that's where the Dole factory is in Oahu. I'd love to, I'd love to go. Oh man. It's, we're, we're talking about after lockdown, like dream vacations. Like we just have to go back to Hawaii. <laughs> that's it. I know. I'm just wondering because the Dole company actually moved in like the seventies, sixties. In back onto Oahu, or was it somewhere else? But first, often no to Thailand. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, it's all a ruse. So shortly after that, loads of pineapple cannery companies sprang up in Hawaii. There was about twelve of them at one point, and all of the Hawaiian cannery companies pooled their resources to push for Hawaiian pineapples in advertising. Oh, nice. So it was pushed as like you know, make any meal fancy, particularly to like housewives, and there was a big. The snobbery against canned pineapple was gone in America. Canned pineapple was just as fancy, if not fancier. In England, however, canned pineapple became more of a working class food item with the fresh pineapple still kind of up there. Well, yeah, they had spent so much money on their pineries. They weren't going to... Europe received most of its canned pineapples from Malaysia at the time, which was also cheaper. Around this time, all of the pineries have kind of ceased, though. We're in like the mid 20th century now, like 19. Fun fact for you, two thirds of Hawaii canned pineapples were sent to the troops during World War II, sprayed with green paint. Two thirds. Wow. And in 1947, future Queen Lizzie herself received 500 cases of canned pineapple from the government of Australia as a wedding gift. Wow. What do you do with that? It's like getting uh, too many toasters. You know, it's funny too, because like I wonder if there's something like that. Because like, there's all those salads that came out in like the 50s and stuff that the housewives had to make. Whereas I feel mm-hmm. like this salad that my mom made, this like ambrosia salad thing or the pineapple, whatever, pistachio salad, that like it was probably like these guys coming back from the war had a real taste for pineapple. So they had to create these weird recipes. You know what I mean? I think, no, it is definitely the pineapple companies because they were pushing it for like fancier doors, putting it in everything. Oh, right. And they were really, as I said, they all had a lot of money at this stage. So the fact, and it was the first of its kind that they'd done this, that they were pushing to only buy Hawaiian pineapples. Yeah, the it benefited all of them. Right. What about, um? it's huge debate, the whole pineapple on, on pizza, Hawaiian pineapple. Fuck no, stop it. 
No. You're not a pineapple on pizza. No, absolutely no? not. That's sacrilege. You, you, see, you seem like such a pineapple fan. I love it, but not on a pizza. It just, you know, as a Chicago guy. And it's I, I feel the same way about sweet corn. They're 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 hand in hand. I don't like sweet corn on pizza. Um I do like pineapple on pizza though. I like pineapple oh. and crispy bacon. Yeah. And crispy onions. I do I I am a fan. Yeah. Interesting enough, just a quick tidbit is the Hawaiian pizza was invented by a Greek pizza chef in Canada. That's not, yeah, I heard Canada, so that's right. Okay. Yeah, in 62 uh, to attract customers, it, the only reason it's called a Hawaiian pizza was because of the brand of canned pineapple used. Ah, yeah. Also, the canning process gets rid of the flesh-eating part of pineapples, which oh, makes it... I know! Boo. It's a bummer. Yeah. Boo! Boo! Oh, so if you go on the pineapple diet, you got to be cutting up... You got to be hacking at those fruits. You yeah, can't, if you can't you're... You be opening a tin. Exactly. How many people have been foiled by that? Yeah. Especially when uh, by, it's in heavy syrup. Yeah. It's always fruit and heavy syrup. By the 1950s, fresh pineapple was starting to make a comeback again. Um, there was a lot of pineapples being grown in West Africa. By 1970, the Ivory Coast supplied 95% of Europe's fresh pineapple import. Oh. Meanwhile, the canning companies around this time, the 70s in the States, were really pushing for this cheese and pineapple on a stick hors d'oeuvre and these various cocktails i've seen that at parties they do not go together that's like your pineapple on your pizza same thing cheese and pineapple nowadays there's not a lot of pineapple being grown in hawaii the companies almost all of the companies moved to east asia in the 60s and 70s most likely because they could get cheaper workers so there is still pineapple being grown in Hawaii, but it is nowhere near the magnitude that would have been there. Wow. So that's so why that, I was asking that you. That farm in Hawaii is all, yeah. It's a ruse, man. Well, I think it used to be just all of Hawaii was just pineapples for a period. Yeah. Have you ever had King's Hawaiian bread? I've been thinking about this this entire podcast. King's Hawaiian way. bread. No. Yes, it's it's a huge deal in the States and it's this. Like you can get them as you can get them as a loaf, or you get them as these rolls, and it's like this sweet bread that's super soft. It's incredible. What would and you eat it with? You people make sandwiches out of it, but it's really sweet. We used to have it on some holiday things, like you could just break apart bread, warm with some butter. It's incredible. And then it wasn't until just recently when the factory is actually near LA. I drove by one time, and you just smell like a thick syrupy pineapple smell mm. from it. And it, and it turns out, I just found out, you know, I'm t- today years old, that it is actual pineapple juice in the baking of it. That's what sweetens the bread, Good. which I had no idea. But it is next level. If you have if you have a package of King's Hawaiian rolls at a party, you're doing something right. Currently, as it stands, Thailand, the Philippines, Brazil, China, India, and Costa Rica, in that order, are the largest producers of pineapple in the world. It's also, there was loads of science-y stuff about how in the past 20, 30 years, there's been, you know, certain types of hybrid pineapples copyrighted. Um, I didn't really get into too much into the science of it. But basically, the pineapple that we have today is even tastier and sweeter than the pineapple even 30 years ago because wow. of science. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of, the pineapple has also kind of made a weird comeback with some fashion designers too. 
you know, like bikinis with pineapples on them. And that's it. That's a brief history of the pineapple all the I way from 2000 BC to recent. That was a good swathe. Recent times. Swath, the swathe, the good, a dab. Good swath, good swathe. I mean, I love it because, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big pineapple fan. Like I said, it's it's still like the, even this Christmas we had it Christmas morning. And I think, I don't know, I kind of hope my son kind of hangs on to it as well. But it was just kind of a thing growing up like that was a special fruit to, you know, serve. Yeah, I think I might try and bring pineapple back. I think if people from, you know, Georgia, England could see how readily available we had pineapple, they're like, why don't you just have them all the time? I would love to rock time travel with a bunch of pineapples. I might just start carrying a pineapple around when I go to parties, try and bring it back, make it fancy. Well, you know, it's kind of funny, like you, you talk about it like that too, because I think it's like people see it like, you know, you have this affectation or it's got this kind of, you know, uh, aura around it. Same thing for me, like mangoes are super expensive, but like we can afford mangoes, you know, like yeah. it's not, you know, so we've, to the point where like when I used to get them when I was in my 20s, like it was a huge event if I got mangoes for something or would like make a mango salsa. But now for my son, he's like, get mangoes this week. I'm like, sure, man. Like they're a pain to cut up and everything else. But it's not like prohibitively expensive for us to buy that fruit. Or even, you know, like you said, you can get a pineapple for two pounds or something. But anyway, it's like these are things that we can afford. They're not like luxury items, you know, like if you're going to, you know, to buy a two pound sausage roll. Why are you not bringing home a pineapple? Exactly. It's exa- exactly, you know, if you see that discounted two euro cake in Tesco, take the <laughs> cake. And also, you know what? Pineapple is only two euro too. Live decadently. Live like a, a, it, a rich aristocratic Yeah, and it's human. And don't worry about the sugar because it's going to eat you back. <laughs> so. It's going to eat you back. I love it. I mean, I know that might put people off pineapple, but I, I love it. I, I want my fruit to buy back in a fun way. In like, yeah. I'm getting at the start. Let me break that's it down. Hel- that's healthy danger. <laughs> that's yeah. healthy danger. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Derek. Do you have anything you'd like to plug at the moment? Thank you. Um, no, I mean, like, uh, I'm not doing live shows anywhere. <laughs> so uh, that's pretty much out. Uh, no, I, th- I think uh, right now, just um, thanks for enjoying me here. <laughs> and th- thanks for coming on. I've been Saoirse Shanae. Um, you can find all my handles in the description below. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. This is brought to you by my theatre company, Scream for Ireland. So if you'd like to give that a like um, on all the socials, I'd really appreciate it. And also if you have any direct inquiries about the podcast or just want to say hi or anything at all you can email absurdrealhistory at gmail.com are you oh you know what i forgot i am on tv every week here so you can watch (laughs) me on steph's pack lunch every thursday on channel four channel four there you go what time it's on it's on at lunchtime i'm uh, i'm usually around one o'clock every thursday i'll check it out i don't know why i haven't yet i have channel four are you watching daytime tv you're you're missing out I I don't even know when daytime is. My concept of time at the moment. <laughs> it's it's the show opposite loose women, so the, oh, your awesome. options are yeah. Awesome. Um so yeah, are you craving pineapple now? I am. Me I, too. Honestly, I need a slice. <laughs>